All right, our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Nancy. One additional announcement that we forgot to include um, there are still a few spots left on the meal train for Hannah and Kyle DeVries, who have recently welcomed um, their little one into their home. So if you're interested in Able, you can find a link to that meal train. Uh, somebody told me the word link tree in our social media. If you know what link tree is, you can click on that and find it. Is that a thing? Yes? Okay. Link tree. Um, if you don't know what that is, then talk to Nanette, and she can get you the, what's that? A tree of links. A tree of links. So you, you can talk to Nanette and get some additional information for that. Sound good? Great. Um, if, you, if I haven't met you, my name is Matt. Thanks for being with us. As a parent of two young children, our house tends to be a fairly loud place. If you visited uh, our house, had a meal, you know this to be true. And this has only been exacerbated by our recent trip to see a Branson show, which was, by the way, my first experience at a Branson show, and it was something. Um, <laughs> this particular show was called Buckets and Boards, which sounds like it was going to be like basketball-themed, like maybe some sort of dude-perfect thing, and it was not. It, um, I like to describe it as stomp routine meets family-friendly Branson comedy. So there's a lot of silly jokes and a lot of banging with drumsticks on said buckets and boards, which, as you may have guessed by now, inspired our girls to turn everything they find into a drum unfortunately without the precision of rhythm that we witnessed at the show. So between rambunctious play, which is common, between voice and piano lessons, the occasional argument, and now the burgeoning drumline routine that forms at the most inopportune times, combine all of that, our house is a pretty loud place. I'm assuming I'm not 
alone in this, but at times I just long for silence. Like that, that is wonderful. I'm just gonna sit in that moment for a minute. A moment of silence where I don't have to listen to anything at all. The truth is, listening requires a lot of us. But I think it is worth it as it opens us up to the possibility of deep connection with one another. It also, the, the alternative to listening well can be pretty devastating, which is one thing we find in our text today. So we're spending much of this month looking at Matthew 18, thinking about this big question, how in the world can we live together in a healthy way long-term? With all of our differences, unique experiences and perspectives and interests and our propensity to sin and to be selfish, how can we prevent allowing all of that to divide us or to lead us to demonize one another? And I want to suggest today that listening is a non-negotiable part of that. The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this in his book, Life Together. I want to read a lengthy section. He said, the first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. He went on, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own follies. Anybody who thinks his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet. Have you ever known somebody who's never short on words? Seems they love to hear the sound of their own voice. I realize that I'm holding a mic, <laughs> saying a, a lot of words, while you all sit silently and, and listen. That is not lost on me. And admittedly, this is something that folks like me, for whom speech involves a part of our professional work. It is something I think we have to be extra cautious about and vigilant to guard against. But the importance of this is, I think, applicable for all of us to be sure that we are becoming people who don't only speak, but who also, maybe even who first listen. So we started looking at this text from Matthew 18 last week, originally planning to look at this for one week, but quickly realized there's simply too much to cram into a short sermon. And it's pretty nuanced material. And as somebody mentioned to me last week, it raises as many questions as it answers. And I, I think there is truth to that. Despite that complexity, I, I think that some of the wisdom we find here from Jesus is critical for the health of the church, not just in the specific context in which Jesus is delivering this instruction, but the wisdom, I think, is applicable more broadly, maybe especially needed in an age of extreme polarization 
where not only do our perspectives vary a lot, but often those differences can wear us so thin that we are tempted to abandon patience and grace. If we are serious about Christ-honoring community, I think we must take this instruction from Jesus very seriously. And I think there are several important ideas that we glean from this teaching, again, that are not only applicable in the context of what is being addressed. Last week, we considered truth-telling, honesty as a key ingredient, a non-negotiable in Christian community. Jesus said, if a brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between you and them. Bring the truth into the open. When the truth is, is constantly pushed below the surface, when it is buried, eventually devastation is going to follow. So it's really important in community that the truth is brought to the surface. As Christians, we want to be a truthful people. We are interested in being honest with one another, not with the intent of shaming a brother or sister in front of everybody, which can be an unhealthy direction to take this text, not to embarrass somebody or to twist their arm into seeing things the way we see them. We're, we're not talking about honesty that is used to gain control of a situation or honesty about each and every one of our opinions. That's not the truth we're interested in. Jesus seems to address instances where there is sin, where division is destroying, destroying unity, or specifically where there are wolves in sheep clothing. The truth needs to be exposed. So Christian truth-telling is not just about me always saying it like it is. Maybe you remember that text from Romans 14, a couple of chapters after what we've just read from Paul, where he's urging his audience not to be divided or to allow hatred and enmity to grow because of a difference of opinion on disputable matters. He says, look, one person eats meat and sees nothing wrong with that. Another person eats only vegetables. Or one person sees a particular day is sacred, uh, another person sees every day as the same. We, we don't pass judgment on one another because of a difference of opinion on disputable matters. In fact, at the end of that chapter, he says, whatever you believe about those things, keep between yourself and God. In matters of opinion, we seek to give each other as much consideration as we give ourselves. Paul says, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. The importance of honesty cannot be stressed enough. The next feature of healthy community, though, that I think we find here is a willingness to listen. A willingness to listen. And our text today offers an extreme example of what happens when there is a refusal to listen. It's maybe not as obvious as the importance of truth-telling, but I don't think we have to dig too deep into this teaching to find this truth. So if you recall from last week, this is the movement that the passage is following. A, a brother or sister has sinned. We are taught to approach them individually in humility and honesty to try to resolve it. If that works, Jesus says, great, 
you have gained a brother. If they don't listen, Jesus says, bring another one or two people into the situation. If that doesn't work, then the circle continues to enlarge. Verse 17, if the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So if they still don't listen, Jesus says, bring the rest of the community in to hopefully illuminate the situation in a way that leads to repentance. If none of that is helpful, the community is encouraged to disassociate from the habitually sinning, unrepentant, professing disciple of Jesus. A New Testament scholar Craig Keener notes that this is not the desired outcome. We stressed this last week. This is not a series of hoops that we're trying to jump through to get to the thing we really want, which is to not have to do anything with that person anymore. The the disassociation Jesus is referring to is simply ratifying what that individual has already chosen, which is to be at odds with the believing community, to, to push back against the life of the tree that they've been connected to. I want to come back to that idea in a couple of weeks, because even that, I think, can be taken to an unhealthy extreme. And I think there's an interesting idea in verse 17 that prevents for us a complete writing off of somebody. So we'll look at that in a couple of weeks. But at this point, the phrase that keeps emerging is this, if he does not listen. It's repeated, if he doesn't listen to you, if he doesn't listen to the small group of people that you've brought into the situation, if he doesn't listen to the entire community, if they do not listen, this is how you respond. So in a way, in this text, it seems to be an unwillingness or refusal to listen that accelerates the entire process. Could it be that a failure to listen was at the center of the relational breakdown Jesus is pointing to? And I wonder if it's also one of the key contributors to a lack of relational health for us more broadly. Now, I think it's pretty natural for us when we read a text, at least it's natural for me, when I read a text like this, to put myself in the position of the one doing the confronting, because clearly I'm in the right, so I need to do the confronting. But I wonder if it might be helpful for a moment, to put ourselves in the position of the one being confronted. How can I avoid the devastating consequences of a refusal to listen? How can I learn to listen well, and why is it so important that we become a people who listen well? Why must we become a people who listen? I think first, because we recognize that we may be in the wrong. I might be misunderstanding somebody's motives, so I need to listen. I need to seek understanding as I'm listening, not making the assumption that I already understand the situation perfectly. Or maybe I recognize that I have sinned. I listen because I'm not too proud to recognize that I too am susceptible to sin and in need of change. The brother of our Lord put it this way in James chapter 1, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's interesting that in this conversation about moral filth, the immediate context has to do with our patterns of speech. There seems to be, for James, a clear connection between a righteous life and our quickness to listen and the slowness in our speech, the slowness to become angry or to make assumptions because anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. But is it possible that our habits of listening do, that our habits of listening to one another help till the soil of our souls, making the conditions right for God's spirit to mold us and produce the righteousness God desires. So I want to be a person who listens, first of all, because I recognize change might be needed on my part, and change isn't possible without first recognizing that it is needed. And I typically don't recognize that without listening to the voice of somebody else. Often that might be the voice of the Spirit bringing conviction. Other times that might be, well, the voice of the Spirit, but speaking through the voice of another brother or sister, but also bringing conviction. We listen because we recognize that we are developing and in need of change. And we can't do that in a silo. We also want to listen because we want to become a people who empathize, who seek to understand where somebody else is coming from. In our scripture reading today from Romans 12, Paul talks about the body of Christ and how each individual member can play their part in serving the community. And he suggests that we must put love into action and one way we do that, putting love into action, is through the embodiment of empathy. Verse 15, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn or weep with those who mourn or weep. We are actively empathizing with one another, but it is difficult in my experience to empathize if I haven't first listened. I can't understand where someone is coming from if I haven't stopped talking long enough to hear their perspective. We must be in the habit of slowing our speech. Now, I do think it's important to note that listening that helps a community flourish is not just refraining from speech. Because we can stop physically talking and still have that nonstop monologue loop on repeat in our heads. We can be silent and still actively judgmental. Stopping our mouths from moving isn't enough. It, it's a good and necessary start. But I can stop talking and still have my mind completely focused on me and my rightness. So a quiet person is not exempt from this challenge because being quiet doesn't necessarily indicate a quiet or listening heart. This is not a conversation, really, uh, between those who are naturally quiet or reserved or withdrawn and those who are gregarious and talkative. 
Simply refraining from talking if we haven't developed a listening spirit isn't going to be all that helpful. So we listen because we recognize we need to change. We listen because we want to empathize with one another, to see where they're coming from, to understand their perspective. So just as in Christian community, honesty and truth-telling are essential, it also requires a humble spirit that is willing to listen. Thinking of the, the context of Jesus' teaching, if I am always the one who's telling the truth, that's going to be a problem at some point. If I'm always the one who's highlighting how somebody else is in the wrong, if I'm always pointing out the problems of others and and I'm really proud of my truth-telling ability, there will never be enough silence for me to hear their perspective. And for my faith to grow, I need to hear other perspectives. For my relationships to grow and develop, I must hear the perspective of others. So we've explored a little bit the why, but what about the how? How do we grow in our willingness and our ability to listen to others, even when that is an uncomfortable endeavor? First, I would suggest that we must develop a humility sufficient for the demands that self-awareness places on us. If I am insisting on my perfection, Listening to others becomes all but impossible. So am I willing to receive counsel? Am I willing to receive correction from other trusted people? Asking, am I seeing this situation clearly? Or am I in the wrong? I I feel like I'm right and that I'm seeing it correctly, but I'm willing to admit that I might not be. So if we want to become a listening people, it certainly requires humility, but maybe the most obvious step is that we have to be willing to stop talking, at least occasionally. Again, microphone, I get it. And we have to practice that. Maybe even practicing listening in prayer would be a helpful exercise for us where our prayer lives aren't just constant speech from us, but we sit in silence with God. Listening requires silence and patience. I don't have to always rush to speech in order to either fill a void or to bolster my impenetrable defense against the words of somebody else. I want to become a person who is willing to actually, genuinely hear others out. I think at times, in my own experience, maybe you can identify with this, I think at times we assume that we know what someone is thinking, and if we already know, we don't need to listen. But maybe we don't actually accurately understand yet. I want to grow in my ability and willingness to listen, to hear what others are saying, to try to truly understand where they are coming from. I I don't want to be in the habit of formulating my rebuttal while someone is still expressing themselves. And for me, that is a challenge. It's difficult, takes practice, but I think it's worth it. And I think it's necessary for healthy 
relationships. So I want to leave us with just a couple of simple questions to encourage some reflection. The first one is, how do you feel when somebody genuinely offers you a listening ear? Does it make you feel valued, respected, cared for? How do you feel when somebody genuinely listens to you, and how might you give that gift to somebody else? The next one, do you ever feel too rushed to truly listen? Either rushed with the normal cares and concerns of life or rushed with uh, preparing your rebuttal or your response to whatever somebody has said. If you find yourself too rushed to listen, what might help you slow that rush to be able to offer an attentive ear? And then finally, who in my life can I intentionally set aside some time and some effort, even this week, to listen to them? To actively, intentionally, in that interaction, set out with the goal of genuinely listening. That requires patience. This is what Eugene Peterson wrote in in a book that I'm, I'm reading. He said, listening requires unhurried leisure, even if it's only for five minutes. Leisure is a quality of spirit, not a quantity of time. Only in that ambience of leisure do persons know they are listened to without absolute seriousness, treated with dignity and importance. Listening well is not just about what it does for me. That's part of it. It certainly does carry with it a variety of personal benefits. We've explored some of those. It opens me up to much needed correction. It enables growth. It makes me more empathetic. But it also benefits the one we listen to. Makes them feel valued, seen, respected, cared for. My hope and prayer for me and for all of us is that we might become a people who are willing to listen with the desire to actually understand for the sake of our health and for the sake of the health of those we love. Thanks be to God. Would you stand as we respond to what the Spirit might be speaking to our hearts through our scriptures that we have read today. Lord Jesus, we invite you into this moment. We invite your conviction recognizing that we are in need of correction so often. Forgive us for moments when we are quick to speak and slow to listen. Forgive us for those times when we Assume we know what others are thinking and so refuse to hear them out. 
birth in us a desire to empathize, to understand. For the sake of our health, for the sake of your kingdom, we pray that you would help us. going to make two lines down these center aisles, invite you to come to the table to receive these gifts of God, the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that you might find nourishment for your soul, strength to face the week ahead, that you might be open to the challenging voice of the Spirit speaking to you. Take these gifts, receive them with gratitude and faith. Say a prayer and then invite you to the table. Oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Would you join us at the table of our Lord?